coming up on the Rip Body Podcast. The problem ultimately here is social media. Like you can't (laughs) caveat on social media. You can't be gray. You can't be nuanced or just no one will give a shit. You have to be polarizing. And actually to be evidence-based and polarizing is hard. Welcome to the show. I'm Andy Morgan, and on the Rip Body Podcast, yep, you know it, we teach how to achieve long-term physique transformation. And in this episode, I'm joined once again by temporary special guest host, Dr. Emil, and we discuss how to spot a charlatan. So, how to sort the good versus bad evidence-based fitness experts. How does one tell? You have just said, hopefully we can do this episode without insulting everyone. Frankly, you say what you want. I will just distance myself from any of your comments. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Andy Morgan Ripped Body Podcast. (laughs) All opinions from guests are of Andy Morgan. Temporary guests. Temporary. So that's an interesting question. So you said the good and bad evidence-based coaches, because there's good and bad all coaches, but we're talking specifically the evidence-based ones. No, I, I think really the question that they intended to ask was, how do we sort out the good versus bad fitness experts? Because everyone's claiming to be evidence-based, right? I mean, th- there's a lot of people who are in the kind of out there. But yeah, even evidence-based is interesting. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, you know, so discuss. I feel... I feel there's a category of coaches who call themselves evidence-based. Say that the keto coaches and whatever, they think they're based in the evidence, but they're keto coaches. They're not evidence-based coaches. And then you have a cohort who are specifically, I am an evidence-based coach. And that is an interesting discussion because these people think they're very much in science and that's their identity. So it's just an interesting one to unpick. However you want to attack this, I am totally game for it. One thing I will say... In fact, one thing I will say, repeat that Greg Knuckles said, so to throw him under the bus here, and I'm I'm not going to do that, but he was talking about someone in specific. He said, that guy's problem is, and he's a very famous person who we all heard of, he speaks too broadly, too often. And I really like that. And I think it was completely fair. Too broadly, too often. Not enough caveats on what is said. And so you, if someone is speaking too broadly, too often, they're not caveating what they're saying. They're saying things with a certain level of, or a high degree of certitude. Is that the word? That they're overconfident is probably not a good sign. That's one I'll throw out there. The problem ultimately here is social media like you can't (laughs) caveat on social media you can't be gray you can't be uh nuanced or just no one will give a shit you have to be polarizing certain very yeah you have to be polarizing and actually to be evidence-based and polarizing is hard and i suspect I, i know who you're talking about and it's at least he is in the evidence-based space and preaching the correct things broadly. Yes, there is infinite nuance, but there are plenty of people chatting shit with confidence, which aren't evidence-based. Right, yeah. So it's levels of evil, as it were. Bullshittery, yeah. Yeah. Evil, wow. Okay, you went there. (laughs) Get all religious on us. (laughs) Levels of hell. No, but no, but 
ultimately, if people are going to social media to to do their research and then they're disappointed that they haven't managed to decipher the deep science from social media, they're in the wrong place. Like they're doing mm. it wrong. Yeah. Social media is social media. If people put too much weight on a fucking Instagram post and do something stupid from it, honestly, that's modern day Darwinism. It's, this is not medical advice. This is not financial advice. If, if you make a stock decision, an investment decision based on a social media post and then lose all your mm. money, maybe don't do it off Instagram. Maybe actually do some research, do a course, read a book. Maybe. I think in the entertaining and accurate evidence-based matrix slash Venn diagram, there is yeah. a very small point in the middle, and that is occupied by Ben Carpenter, I would say. He does he's a an exceptional yeah, he's a gem. He does an amazing <laughs> job. And I think people can be judged by his standard yeah, yeah. of how he talks about things. And for uh, podcasting, let's say if you prefer the audio medium, Greg Knuckles is a fantastic guy to listen to, uh, Stronger by Science podcast, and his co-host, Eric Trexler, exceptional as well at this stuff. Yeah. So what do they do? then that the quote-unquote bad fitness experts aren't so doing. I think, for one, what, what those guys have is an appreciation of the whole body of evidence, and then they distill out the relevant points and, and talk about those. And that's very different to... to people who are potentially just at the top end taking these nuggets of information without appreciation for the greater body of mm. evidence. And actually that comes across when people talk in very complex terms and, and lots of jargon, it usually means that they don't have the fundamental backing to be able to simplify things and communicate them. It's like a, one, one name that came to mind. I, I really don't care. She's too big to care about me. Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she gets a lot of exposure. And I Googled her the once and then I put her into Instagram and it was just an absolute nightmare of like Daily Mail type newspaper headline, like nutrition says this, uh, and now this is causing cancer. And you can live for five more years if you do this. Yeah, I think I think that's the other extreme of almost overgeneralizing for the sake of clickbait, potentially. I, I don't yeah. follow her, I don't know. Yeah, you'll, you'll see. You'll have a look, you'll see. And the, and the, pro the problem is, okay, here's another heuristic then. If you tried to follow and do everything that they said, would you be able to do it? Is it coherent? Does it all mesh together? This is certainly not a foolproof heuristic, but it can certainly weed out the headline chasers yeah. of the industry. Yeah, I, I can see that yeah, for sure, because there's it's like the Daily Mail. It's one week the sun causes cancer, one week the sun cures cancer, and you can't string together a consistent narrative. I think thankfully for a lot of those bigger guys, uh, they at least don't coach, so they're not exposed like to, to people necessarily one-to-one. -one. one of my kind of heuristics or, th or things, which actually is even more relevant now that we've got the Rising Coach Collective and we're helping coaches directly, is when... Coaches are so evidence-based that they forget 
that they're coaching humans and they are everything is about the science and it's there's actually a human here and if you go in and tell them keto is shit then actually what's happening is they're getting defensive and they will never be helped whereas if you soften a little bit and get off your high horse and just have a conversation with them then maybe they will soften and then you can sneak in the evidence based practices packaged in a very nice way that will allow them to actually succeed and instead of stamping i'm evidence based on your bio just say i help people because that actually scares people away and actually it doesn't mean anything unfortunately mm-hmm. it's like saying i live in the world like great Dr. Emil, I Trojan horse this shit out of my customers and they love me for it. It's not Trojan horsing. It's meeting them where they are and then guiding them to Mm. the light. You'd make a good Mormon missionary in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) How confident are you in that statement? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, but honestly, it's, I think people get so excited about random facts in science and they get so obsessed by random facts in science here's a spoiler alert 99% of everything we need to know in nutrition we already know like yeah. new science yeah. papers which come out I'm going to go out there and say they're irrelevant that you don't need to keep up with the science in nutrition to coach people you need to forget about all that shit because actually your clients don't care you just need to focus on them as humans get them to probably eat a little bit less probably eat some more protein probably eat some vegetables and probably move a little bit and beyond that, there's no science there. This is what my mum told me when I was a kid. Mm. Like, we we mm. can forget about the science. So pushing that you're an evidence-based coach is moot because everyone's evidence-based. It's just whether the evidence is right or not, whether they're cherry-picking or looking at the whole body or whatever else. And the other thing within evidence and science is most nutrition studies shit. It's 10 PhD students who were walking past me when I decided to do my paper, got dragged into the lab, and then we started testing them. Like, great, that was the evidence. That was the science on 20-year-old male students who drink too much and play rugby or whatever. Um, Mm. In my BSc in sports science, I did exactly that. I grabbed people around me and I said, doing this experiment, great. So nutrition studies aren't great. You can't put weight on them. What you have to do is you have to, one, take the whole wealth of the thousands and thousands of studies, and then two, apply them to the human in front of you. And actually some stuff that works on the human in front of you that N equals one case isn't based in science. That's actually fine because if you get them the results, it doesn't matter. Anything else you can think um, of when it comes to spotting charlatanry? Absolute, oh, link. absolute statements. Yep. Sorry, link. I was just going to say something that quickly leads you to have to pay them for something. Yeah. I'm just going to touch on this mm. as well. I think maybe five years ago, the evidence-based thing was a thing and everyone was an evidence-based coach. And now Mm. we're moving towards behavior change, motivational interviewing, all this. And now everyone's becoming this kind of coach. And that's Mm. awesome. This is ultimately what this is about. But there is always a danger when you identify with something that you become a zealot within those ranks. And you forget, again, that there's a human in front of you. And you need to be agile. And you need to work around them rather than, oh, that course that I did last week says I should do it this way. No, you've got this thing that you do and then you just layer on it's like layers of paint it's a tiny little addition to what you do it's a tiny one degree shift in trajectory it's not i'm going to change everything i do and this is what i saw with the kind of intuitive eating thing it was like people went from one extreme to the other Mm. and forgot that there was a human who they were working with 
Yeah, like for your clients, you get them, it's, it's very heavily based in habit change, a step at a time, might meeting them where they're at. And often that is with, okay, we're going to log all our food, see where you're at, and then we're going to look at perhaps a calorie uh, budget, see how that affects you, and, and then layer in from there. I think if I started like that, a lot of my clients, they would freak out. I'm not saying all. And it's, I guess it's just like what I write about attracts. And so they're ready for something quite quantifiable straight from the start. But yeah, you're, you're right. If someone appears rigid, inflexible, if they have absolutist statements, not a good sign, probably someone to avoid. Yeah. Not sure I have anything more to say on that one. Yeah. And just again, the final caveat, because I don't want to blast people who have, I'm an evidence-based coach or I'm a behavior change coach or I'm an intuitive eating coach. Just mm. reflect on whether that adds to the client's experience, like whether the client comes to you because of that and whether that affects how you coach or even limits how you coach. Because it's fine being shit hot at behavior change and being deep into the evidence. These are awesome things, but is it relevant to the client? Is it helping the client or is it limiting how you're operating? And actually you can put that across in your messaging, in your content, rather than needing to state it. And if you, like Andy talks a lot about science and quantitative objective figures and numbers, he's clearly an evidence-based coach. He doesn't say I'm an evidence-based coach. That's the kind of way I feel one should approach it. Yep. Makes total sense to me. All right. And lastly, if someone has doctor in front of them, give them all your money immediately, all, straight away. All the money. All right. My doctor Bitcoin email. address is. <laughs> You're not still dealing in crypto, are you? <laughs> <laughs> is crypto still a thing? By the time this podcast goes live, it's not going to be around anymore. Right, Time to buy now, on the, medical advice. On that explosion uh, inside Emil's brain, I will bid you adieu. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the pod, email it to podcast at ripbody.com. Are you subscribed yet? If not, why not? I'm talking about that subscribe button on your podcast player, but also subscribing to my email list. If you have not, I'm almost offended at this point. Go to ripbody.com and enter your email address. You'll join 25,000 others. When you subscribe, you'll get my free nutrition setup guide along with a seven-day email course guiding you through the most common mistakes that people make. If you're frustrated with your progress, this is the answer. All right, until next time then. Peace.